career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? Divorce is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. Kids are gone. Now what? I'll never find love. Why can't I be like the other guys? Hey guys, gay, straight, and everything in between. It's time to get a grip. Stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40 plus life. Let's get to the show with your Tell It Like It Is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick, unless you act like one first. Hey, 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 I am so excited to be back here with you today on the 40 Plus Real Man Real Talk podcast, where us guys get together and we talk about the stuff that guys are not talking about. And as most of you know, we have these monthly gatherings. They are the first Monday of each month where we get together and we chat online using Zoom as our technology of choice to just bring everybody together and just have some chats about these things that us guys need to be talking about. So if you're interested in joining one of those chats, just go to 40 plus men's chats, 40 plus, you can either spell out 40 plus or you can do four zero plus men's M-E-N-S chats and you'll be directed over there or just go to my website, rickclemens.com and you'll find them as well. And so let's dive in today. Sometimes we get handed some interesting stuff in life and I know none of you would disagree with that, right? You're sitting there going, yeah, I get, get some bumps in the road and some things that show up. But when we have these medical issues that show up, and I can tell you when I had my stroke a year and a half ago, I was like, really? This is interesting. Um, it, it put me in an interesting space. But my guest today is a speaker and a coach. He's somebody that I have come across through some other work that I do. And just listening to him and watching some of the stuff he was posting in those groups, I really felt like Chris Gordon was a guy I wanted to bring into the 40 plus Real Men Real Talk world to share his story about what's gone on in his life. And I'm not, you notice I'm kind of not saying a whole lot because I want Chris to share this. So, um, but I think you guys will be really inspired by how he has handled a big medical setback, so to speak, and gone on to do amazing things. And now it's turned into some of his life work being a speaker and a coach. So I'm going to shut up and I'm going to bring Chris on. So Chris, thanks for being here, buddy. Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. And he is a fellow podcaster too. So you got two podcast people going neck to neck here. And um, I'm really excited about this conversation. So you kind of had something show up that some people are going to be like, I can't even say these words, but um, why don't we kind of start with the story of when things happened and then how it's taken you to some places that have turned into your life's work, man. So the floor is Certainly. yours, so to speak. All right. Well, thank you, Rick. So in March, 2015, actually March 18th, 2015, I was helping my wife, Becky, take our three young kids to school and daycare. Specifically, I was flying my two-year-old son, Seth, who is a twin, uh, down the sidewalk to our garage. We have a detached garage and I was flying him down and I went too far to the right and I scratched the back of my right hand on my garage wall. Well, I've had scrapes before. I didn't think too much of it. Right. So I put him in the car seat. I kiss everyone goodbye. And as soon as they leave, I go back inside the house, clean up my little wound, and mm -hmm. I start my day as an online special education teacher. Okay. So I've been, doing, I've been doing special education way before the pandemic. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I'm ahead of the curve. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, uh, three days later, on Saturday, the 21st, I wake up and I find this lacrosse ball size bump on my right elbow. Mm. 
and uh, my wife and I gone. My wife and I had gone bowling that night, uh, the night before. So I was wondering, did I really tweak something hitting that split? Yeah, I don't right, know. Right. So we went to the walk-in clinic, and the attending doctor said that it might be bursitis. He wasn't sure, but just keep an eye on it, and just let us know if something else develops. Mm -hmm. Well, twelve hours later something had developed uh specifically my right arm had elephantized basically mm. it had grown to triple the size of my left arm um and as well as my shoulder and there there was uh, some growth in my chest and back to use a comic book analogy i was the incredible hulk in mid-transformation wow and so my wife drove me to the emergency room. And as soon as they had me admitted, they were panicking because not only was I had this physical state, but I had also gone septic. Mm. The, my body was trying to fight off whatever was attacking it with, uh, with a chemical in the bloodstream. And now I could not uh, maintain a proper blood pressure. Wow. And so that was another issue. Uh, but they had admitted me overnight. The next morning, the attending doctor at that time came up to my gurney and said, Mr. Gordon, this is beyond us. We can do nothing more for you. Where do you want to go? And immediately, yeah, that's great. It's like, hear. yeah, okay, you get yeah. So I'm supposed to give you the advice where, yeah, I get it. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but I've been in those cases too. They're like, I mean, when I had my stroke, I remember the doctor telling, so we can't really find anything. You're really showing as being really healthy. Your blood pressure is good. Your, your oxygen levels are good. Da, 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 da. Your heart rate's great. It's just this weird thing about, you know, you can't see. And now this site is back, you know, I'm like, they're like, we're not sure what to tell you is next. And they're like, so what do you think you'd like to do? And I'm like, oh yes, let me just <laughs> delve into my little medical degree here. But yeah, gosh, exactly. that must've been like, okay, so no answers, scary. Yeah, so I immediately said the Mayo Clinic, mm -hmm. which is in Rochester, Minnesota, two hours east of where I live in New Ulm, Minnesota. Mm. And obviously I chose Mayo because it's the Mayo Clinic, it's world renowned, but also right. my in-laws live in Rochester. Okay. And so I knew that uh, Becky and the kids would have some place to stay for the, I'm sure two or three days yeah. that this would take to resolve. I, you know, I was positive that they were able to knock this out of the park and I'd be back to work, you know, in a couple of days. So they fly me to, rochester in a hard light plane because there was an impending snowstorm of course oh, of course because it was you know the first day of spring so that's how we celebrate in minnesota right. and uh, they couldn't fly the helicopter so they flew me to rochester uh they got me into the hospital admitted me immediately immediately uh, immediately and then quickly diagnosed me with necrotizing fasciitis which is also known as flesh-eating bacteria or the flesh-eating disease. Mm -hmm. This is basically the kind of diagnosis that you would expect from a comic book geek. Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's, this is how origin stories start. Right, right. So uh, they quickly get me ready for uh, my first surgery, 
And I remember before the first surgery, they had me in a wheelchair and the surgeon sat down in front of me and was talking with me about what was going on. And they had already administered some painkillers. And so things were getting a little fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the movie True Lies? Mm-hmm. Yep. You remember yep. the scene where Arnold's character is and he's been drugged and with a truth serum and the, the, uh, the guy who administered the truth serum is asking him questions. Yep. And Arnold's being very flippant and saying, I'm going to kill you like this. That's how I felt. I was not flippant, but I had a very, a very go getter type attitude. I was like, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go for it. Apparently, in patient surgeon uh, relationships, that's not common. The surgeon was a little thrown off by that because he's used to people being scared, tears rolling down their faces, you know, thinking I'm, I'm going to die. I right. was ready to go. And so right. I was quite the opposite. Um, mm. And that's the last thing I remembered for five days because they uh, placed me in an induced coma, a medical coma, so they could operate on me. And uh, while I was in that coma, they basically flayed me. Uh, they took skin from the back of my right hand all the way up through my arm, shoulder, chest, and back. <sighs> and uh, then, um, and then, as and you might be able to see here, Rick, uh, I have a different looking flap of skin here. Yep, yep. The infection had gone so far into my right hand during the second surgery, they thought I was going to have my, they'd have to amputate my right arm. Mm-hmm. Where the occupational therapist uh, who was attending the surgery saw I still had hand function. So instead of amputating my arm, they extracted a 15 inch by four inch flap of skin from my left thigh and placed it on my right hand mm-hmm. and since since it's my thigh on my hand i call right. it my thand <laughs> and so i'm gonna copyright that i think someday. i think you need to i honestly yeah that's it's, that. it's gonna yeah, be a hot exactly. commodity it is um, but when or, they, it'll be, uh, or it'll be a great comic book you know thing like it's the yeah. thand you know it's the thand. run guys right the thand's right. gonna get you um well the funny thing is when you are a runner like I am, you tend to develop, and a former soccer player, you tend to develop big thighs. And so when they took the, they extracted that flap, they couldn't get my wound to close naturally or even with stitches. So they had to extract my lastest, my vastus lateralis, which is the outer uh, outside thigh muscle from my quadricep. And then they installed knobs and a, a Jacob's ladder to uh, incrementally tighten the wound up. <sighs> so my quad became a try. Wow. And so I had a Frankenstein's monster leg. I was basically looking like a discount Deadpool mm-hmm. up on my upper half. Right. And eventually what they had to do is they had to take a uh, basically a um, a cheese grater on steroids and harvest skin graft uh, segments from my back and my thighs and mm. put it on my uh, my arm, my shoulder, my chest, and my back. And you can mm. see 
yeah. what it looks like there. Now, if you guys could all see this, you, it's just, it's amazing because you can see where the, the cuts and everything have gone on Chris's body. And literally, like you said, they've harvested flesh and muscle and everything else to kind of put Chris back together again, so to speak. Yes, yes. I'm like Humpty Dumpty, yeah. uh, but with slightly better balance. Hmm. Uh, so um, five days later, after I was uh, put in, into the induced coma, I woke up thinking I was in a water and at the bottom of a water slide because I was throwing up the CT fluid that they use to get images sure. uh, from their devices. And I was still on ketamine, which is a powerful uh, painkiller, uh, but also causes uh, severe hallucinations. So I thought I was at the bottom of a water slide. At the same time, I'm thinking, what, what's a water slide doing in the Mayo Clinic? But I was so so upset and so so tra traumatized by waking up and spewing liquid that I didn't really reason it out at the time. Right. Uh, but eventually, I, uh, I I saw my my wife and my brother who flew in from Michigan to help out with the family and my father-in-law. And that started me on the recovery process. So as this is all happening to you, even though it's happening for you as well, as you started to realize what you had just gone through, here you are, this runner, soccer player, all these other things. What's the thought? Are you like, okay, I'm done. I'm toast. I'm, I'm nothing. Or is it just, okay, well, let's see where we're going. I mean, there had to be a myriad of thoughts flowing through your head. Yes, uh, there were Rick. Uh, I remember that first, uh, that first night, uh, I was, I was a little listless. I was a little mm -hmm. listless. I, I could not really get, uh, a decent amount of sleep. And I remember, uh, thinking about what my new normal was going to be. Um, and you know, I started playing around ideas. You know, I, I, again, I was hallucinating. So I thought that they, uh, they had a cast on my right pinky. So I thought they had amputated my pinky as well. Oh, uh -huh. And so I was imagining them, I was imagining getting a robo pinky placed mm -hmm. down there and then I could use it as a laser pointer. Right, right. Uh, but as I was talking to my wife and my family, I started hearing about how people were stepping up to help my family. Um, a lot of my colleagues, my online colleagues, uh, were coming actually to my in-laws house, dropping off toys for my kids, playing with my kids, making dinner for my family. Uh, a friend of my wife's had created a GoFundMe account to help offset some um, wage losses because my sick days had run out. And so that really helped out. But the, the outpouring of support and love from everyone really had me thinking uh, not of despair, but of gratitude. And I developed this attitude of gratitude. And even when I was in immense pain and I was frustrated at the situation, I always thought, okay, if I start becoming pessimistic, if I should be, start becoming depressed and angry, basically I'll be slapping the face of everyone who stepped up to help us mm -hmm. out. It would be a total slap in the face. Yeah. And so I, I chose to develop uh, what I call the attitude of gratitude. And I started practicing that even in the hospital because while 
I had a lot of great things to be grateful, you know, be grateful for my faith, my family, my friends, my job. They're also the little things. And I found that by picking out the little things that I enjoyed that I was grateful for, it really helped me keep a positive attitude. It's interesting to hear you say that, Chris, because we all go through challenges and this attitude of gratitude is something that a lot of people like put out there, they throw it around like, okay, this is what you got to do. But I, when I hear you say it, it isn't that flippant, let's throw this catchphrase out. I can hear it in your voice that there's this, yeah, this is what, this is what kept me alive. This is what helped me survive. And it's not like, okay, just have an attitude of gratitude. Okay. And I'm not knocking people who say that because I know there's some, there's, there's some genuineness behind how they say it. But when I hear your story, it's more of this was the lifeline. Cause if I didn't, I probably wouldn't be here. It's kind of what I'm feeling that you're saying. And so as yeah. you started to move through, there's obviously the way Chris and I got connected is he's in a program where I do coaching around speaking and stuff. What began to move you towards, okay, I got to do something else or in addition to what I'm already doing? What was that? Okay, I've made it through this challenge, but what was that like, hey, it's time to go do some more giving back or working with people? What was that juncture like for you? I took a couple years and started getting back into running started doing other things and like for example my son and i uh joined taekwondo mm -hmm. and we are currently one kick away from our recommended black belt uh, wow. and so i started working you know working towards goals and at the end of last year i started thinking okay I have accomplished a lot in the last four and a half years for, you know, almost five years. Right. I think I'm at a point now where I can speak with some authority about this, about the attitude of gratitude and how it can help others. And mm -hmm. so at the beginning of uh, 2020, I started uh, openly offering myself to speak to groups of people and eventually to uh, help people uh, on one-on-one -on -one coaching bases uh, because I felt that, okay, I can't keep this to myself. Yeah. You know, it's, it would be, it would be a huge loss and it'd be incredibly selfish of me. And I've already gained a load of experience speaking online, being an online teacher. I have a theater background. And so speaking in front of people is not that scary for me. Sure. And I felt it was a natural progression. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, once I, once I attained some uh, PRs, some running uh, personal records mm -hmm. and, um, you know, started accomplishing a lot of things, I felt, okay, now I'm at the point where I can say this with some real authority. It's interesting that you bring that piece into this conversation, Chris, because a lot of us go and we see motivational speakers and they tell a story, not unlike yours, and people go, oh, that's great, look what they did. But I see some humbleness here in what you just mentioned that you wanted, you really wanted to show up as an authority, as someone with the experience. This wasn't like, okay, I'm gonna tell you a nice story and look at what I did. It was even deeper than that for you. It was like, I, I wanna make sure that I'm showing up as my truest self, to do this 
And that shows there's a lot of integrity. I'm not, again, I'm not calling out anybody that does this because I have gone down the same path. It's like, okay, who am I to like, okay, I'm going to tell you about my coming out journey and hopefully it's going to inspire you. And I had to get out of my own ego about that and go, wait, there's lots of people who've come out. <laughs> I ain't the only guy in the world. And so I had to step in and, and I had a couple of people call me out on it. Like, who the hell do you think you are, man? Until I realized, no, this is about like, it's something deeper. And as you shared that, that's what I, I heard was there's this deeper thing to you. And it shows that through this trial, through this challenge, through all the things that were, and I, I don't want to miss this piece of, okay, so this guy had a muscle taken out of his quad and he still runs and he's doing Taekwondo. Yes, those are like superhuman feats, but there's also this very big humbleness of that's what's helping me be able to say, here's why I can talk about this. Here's why I can be the person that comes and stands in front of an audience and says, this is about stepping into your goals. This is about taking that attitude of gratitude and really owning it. So through all of this, what is the thing besides the attitude of gratitude that you feel like has been your biggest lesson that you've learned? That's a very good question, Rick. Um, I think that being able to take as, uh, take as little for granted as you can. Um, sometimes when I go for a run and I don't have the best run, you know, sometimes I compare myself to another run or, you know, even, you know, that was after the hospital or even before the hospital, or if I, and you know, I've been struggling with a slow motion front kick. Um, that is the, that's the thing. That's, that's the one part that's keeping me from that recommended black belt. It's amazing being a 46 year old runner uh, makes your hip flexors not very flexy. Mm -hmm. And so I've been working on that a lot. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes I'll get down on myself, like, come on, you got to do this. You know, how much time are you going to waste on this one kick? But then I, you know, I have to take a step back and say, okay, let, instead of th thinking about this one kick that's keeping you down, think about everything you've accomplished up to this point. Mm -hmm. And not focus on, you know, don't focus on the problem, focus on the solution. And no. so really taking into account all the positives in my life has really, you know, not only uh, propelled me forward, but, you know, in good times, but also kept me, you know, moving forward when I don't have as much of a drive because I'm feeling a little negative. It is interesting that the little things and we pay attention to them. In fact, I was interviewing another guest, um, or actually, it, may, it actually may have been one of the speakers I was doing some coaching with. And it's leveraging the small wins, you know, really leveraging your small wins in life, and really noticing the small things, and and realizing that every small thing, when it gets added together, is what makes the quote big thing that we're always going for. Mm -hmm. Yet we put so much emphasis on the big thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to get that, you know, that world record, or I'm going to, you know, beat that time by, you know, 15 seconds. Great. But how are you going to get there when you haven't got that 15 seconds yet? Well, you're going to shave a 10th of a second off, or you're going to save one second off. And we get so focused that we lose sight of, it's the little things that always gets us here. 
it's always the little things that get us to the space where we most want to be. So as you continue to work through this, man, and as we kind of get ready to wrap up here, one of the things I feel like I've seen as I've gotten to know you is this just beautiful energy of, yes, the attitude of gratitude, but this connectedness that shows up to yourself. Do you feel like that connectedness is something that's just come alive through this or was it there and it was just waiting to like come more forward? Where did that connectedness to who you are and what you're really meant to do? Where did that start to blossom? Was it through this incident? I, I think that it's accepting my scars. Mm. Um, you know, I know a lot of people who uh, I taught, I am part of a uh, necrotizing fasciitis uh, worldwide Facebook page. And some people feel ashamed of their scars. They'll, they'll post that. And, and this is not me, you know, disparaging them at all because we are, you know, we all have our own struggles and sure. I can't, I don't know the journey they've taken, but I look at my scars and I, I sometimes I'm a little flippant and I say, Oh man, these are awesome cosplay, mm-hmm. you know, cause mm-hmm. I've dressed up as I dressed up as Wolverine to take a, uh, to have a picture taken with Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, me being a geek like that, that's, that was gold for me, right. but, you know, accepting all that my scars give me has really, uh, given me a, a more, uh, deeper appreciation for not only them as showing that they are proof that I am tougher than the necrotizing fasciitis, mm-hmm. but that accepting my imperfection makes me a better person, not only for myself, but it helps me show up better for others. Very powerful. Thanks. So if somebody wants to find out more about you and your story work and they go, man. Well, they can go to uh, www.chrisdtgordon.com. That's G O R D O N. They can find me on Facebook at Chris D T Gordon or on uh, YouTube at Chris DT Gordon. Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram at Chris DT Gordon. And I have my podcast called Scar Bearers, mm-hmm. which you can find on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, awesome. uh, and other, the, other those podcast sites. Uh, if you type in Scar Bearers, you'll find a Star Wars type font because again, I'm a geek. Right. And so, uh, <laughs> You, could, you, you, you find that and it'll say with Chris D.T. Gordon in the middle of the letters. Cool. And that's where you can find me doing my podcast. That's awesome, man. And I'm so glad you shared because I think there's so many places that we get to as men in our midlife, in our 40s and above where we're suddenly like, I am really scarred physically, emotionally, <laughs> in our minds, whatever it is. But without the scars, we can't go to the next best place we're supposed to be. That's my opinion. I think you've pretty much shown that here today in this interview and shown that even with the scars that wound us, again, physically or emotionally, there's always something else on the other side. If we choose, and choose being the word, if we choose to let ourselves go there, and in your own words, with the attitude of gratitude. Really appreciate you being here, Chris, and thank you for sharing and being part of the 40 Plus Real Men Real Talk podcast today, buddy. Well, Rick, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and share my story. That's a wrap for 40 Plus Real Men Real Talk, where size doesn't matter. 
We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves, and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Real Men Real Talk, where the conversations continue.